Hey, cassettes. Thanks for tuning in to the Black Case Diaries. Hey. Hi. Hey, hey. What's going on? Today we have a very special episode for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not us. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. Because it's April 1st, we are switching shows with somebody else. So today we are releasing an episode by Jackie. That's right. From Jackie Watches Stuff. You can find her at JackieWatchesStuff.com or at Jackie Watches on Twitter. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jackie. Yeah. And go check out her feed to find us over there. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It'll be one of our old episodes, one of our classics. That's right. Classy. (laughs) So enjoy this episode from Jackie. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Hi, Ama. Hi, Jackie. How's it going? Well... Pretty good. I've been watching some movies that I've never seen before and letting my friends ridicule me, and I wanted to share this experience with you. Happy to be a part of it. I <laughs> love movies, love comedy. It's a big part of uh, big part of my life, especially now, so happy well, to be helpful where I can. I would say, well, good, because I picked a comedy to share with you. I have never seen The Wedding Singer. How did you manage that? I I truly don't know. Um, I mean, I <laughs> like I just missed it, I guess. And maybe I think there is like with a lot of these movies, I'm noticing that like the wave of hysteria happened. And if you miss that boat, like it doesn't really come back around, I guess. And so I just have never seen The Wedding Singer. And really, like, I I'm going to guess what it's about just because it seems to me like it's a little rom com and most rom-coms seem kind of predictable. Um, and it's Adam Sandler with a mullet. So like. Sure. Adam Sandler is performing at a wedding, falls in love with the bride. They run off into the sunset. That's my total guess. So the beginning of that is correct, but there is surprisingly more to it than you named. Oh, my goodness. Well, now I'm excited to see some stuff, some substance. I really thought that it was just going to be like, I mean, is it just Adam Sandler goofs? Isn't every Adam Sandler movie just Adam Sandler goofs? So I think there are a lot of Adam Sandler goofs, and if you like Adam Sandler and have never seen it before, that's absolutely there for you. But I think what I like the most about The Wedding Singer is that it puts those goofs and quirks and traits, and it grounds them in a character that feels a little bit more complex than definitely anything he'd been doing before he made it, and most of the things he's made after. Um, So to me, it kind of stands out in this really interesting way. So I'm curious to see what you think once you watch it. Wow, I didn't expect I was going to go on such like a deep ride with a movie called The Wedding Singer. So I'm going to go watch it. Let me not overstate it. It's not that deep, but it is deeper than Billy Madison. (laughs) Well, the bar is pretty low there. So, okay, well, now I have a level of expectation. I'm going to go watch The Wedding Singer and then we'll talk about it. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Welcome to Jackie Watches Stuff. This is a podcast chronicling my cinematic quest to finally watch the movies I probably should have already seen, and I'm bringing my friends along with me. Well, Ama, I attended many weddings with big hair and (laughs) got to watch Adam Sandler with equally big hair. You made it to the other side. I did. I did. I mean, you know, it was it was it was what I needed. Like I've been watching a couple heavy movies lately, so I feel like this was solid. Like this was a really great like mood booster. 
of Good. watching 80s Adam Sandler from the 90s trying yeah, to be 80s, in the 80s. Yeah, 80s Adam Sandler in the late 90s, but like talking about the mid 80s. Absolutely. It was a really solid comedy. I mean, the, the big baggy suits were really, really doing it for me. Mm-hmm. So, so much about the fashion. It was, I mean... I have thoughts on his clothing. He does have the same suit in multiple colors and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into that as someone who shops <laughs> at Old Navy in the Gap and does own the same shirt in many colors because I like it. If you like the cut, just get four of it in different colors and call yep. it a day. Well, and, and you also get two in black, obviously. <laughs> like, obviously, always. yes. So yeah, I, I made it through. So I always try to summarize these movies in 30 seconds and wondering if you could try if you could time me so that I could maybe try to beat my record of most accurate movie summary in 30 seconds. Happy to. All right. Count me in. Three, two, one. Summarize. All right. So there's this guy named Robbie. He's a wedding singer. He's classic 80s. And he plays in the same venue every single weekend. So we see him playing all these different weddings. And that means he also knows a lot of the staff, including the beautiful Julia, who is one of the waitresses. And we see that she's very obviously the love interest, but she's engaged to this other guy. And he's also engaged. And it was that was really stressful. And it felt really short. (laughs) That was very short. We made it. 30 seconds? It was a 28 second summary, so you did great. I did the whole thing in 28 seconds? 28 seconds. We didn't even get to the part where he gets stood up at the altar. That's okay. We'll get to that. He gets stood up at the altar. Um, So, yeah. I mean, like, it it did kind of, it felt like beautifully classic rom com to me. Um, I found out only after that this also became a Broadway musical. Yes, which I feel like is perfect because especially now that Broadway's kind of in a moment of what's called like a jukebox musical, which is a lot of theatrical versions of pop music. This is perfect for that. So yes. I'm excited that that happened and I wish I'd gotten to see it. Me too. I'm really sad that it's no longer touring. So I would like to start the petition to bring it back. I'll once, sign that. Once we can all go back to see shows in real life. Exactly. Once we're allowed back in the theater, I will happily show up for that one. Oh my goodness. Um, so I know, Ama, you mentioned you had some pretty strong feelings on Adam Sandler in this movie. And I'm wondering, would we like to start with those really strong feelings about it? Or do you want to just attack that as we run into the moments through the plot? I feel like we should attack that as we go. But one thing that I learned fairly recently, kind of going through some of the trivia that's been written down about it and some of the history of it is that the main script was written by Tim Herlihy, who does most Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also a writer for Saturday Night Live. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, but two people that had input besides Tim Herlihy and Adam Sandler were Judd Apatow and Carrie okay. Fisher. And Carrie Fisher to me was the surprising one, but it also yeah. made so many other things make sense. Um, Carrie Fisher did a lot of work on script. She had the job of what's called script doctor. So she would go in after an initial script was finished and go back in and make changes. She did it for some of the Star Wars movies. She did it for Hook. She mm-hmm. did it for um, a number of other things. And one of the last ones she did, she stopped in the early 2000s, was this. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you look at why it feels more traditionally rom-com for one, but also it's better than the other Adam Sandler rom-coms that came later. She didn't touch those. So as I watched it through those eyes, so much other stuff started to make sense. Huh. So what you're saying is Carrie Fisher is 
the magic potion that makes Adam Sandler great versus kind of okay after yeah, that. I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that, yes. I mean, that is a fair point. It has been a long time since I've seen Fifty First Dates, which I feel like is a really solid apples to apples comparison to this movie mm-hmm. because it is the same cast and it is almost the same plot uh, in that it's a love story. I mean, the mm-hmm. memory thing's kind of the big difference, but nothing stands out to me about Fifty First Dates to be able to say that back to you right now about how great his performance was. So um, that is a very interesting point. I don't quite remember what Adam Sandler's movie after this one was. I know that before we were looking at like Happy Gilmore, which will be forever one of my favorite movies, no matter how good or bad Adam Sandler is. It was just so funny. Um, As it should be. And Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. But what do you happen to know what was after this? I believe Big Daddy was after this. Oh, see, that's why I don't remember it. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> it was just okay. Um, so that's really interesting. Man, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, like if she was really good at it, like especially if you go back and look at the movies that she had the opportunity to kind of put her hands on and start to improve. Um, But I think when I think about what this could have been if there hadn't been any women touching the script, it feels different in like a notable way. That's very fair. I did read a little note about how the original script made Julia very kind of stupid and that doesn't surprise me. Flighty. And so now that you say that Carrie Fisher had something to do with the script, she probably gave Julia a bit more uh, character, I guess, made her a bit more full as a character instead of just being a flighty, ditzy, typical lead. Um, yeah, she feels grounded in a way that like Bridget Wilson and Billy Madison or Julie Bowen and Happy Gilmore really don't. Like mm-hmm. you can see why. Robbie likes her so much versus the other ones. It's like, well, she's hot and she's blonde. And I think that's supposed to be it. Yep, absolutely. And we learn very quickly that that's how women are supposed to be, right? But this is a little bit different. She is, is very pretty different. and blonde, but we're also kind of smart. Yeah, you, you get a little bit more to kind of understand where the attraction lies. That's fair. It is a very fast attraction. Um, because we see it even starting at the wedding that it opens with where <laughs> I, I mean, was I expecting to watch Adam Sandler sing You Spin Me Right Round? Not really, but like it happened. Um, and so even in that first scene, we see him kind of, we see the obvious, oh, this is the love interest. Like, oh, he kind of smiles. It's kind of into her. And then they meet that night. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, here we go. We're going down the the road. Yeah. And it's nice to kind of have, I think one of the things I liked the most about this is there are a lot of things we kind of know to be Adam Sandlerisms, and especially kind of did at that point in time where most people knew him from Saturday Night Live and a handful of movies. Mm-hmm. He sang. Um, he occasionally did funny voices and like that wasn't really grounded in anything. And I think this again too is different in the sense that like you kind of see why that's part of his character. Like he sings a lot because it's his job and he has some kind of like quirky parts of him because of how he grew up and he loves romance because his parents passed away when he was young. So like there are reasons for his behavior in the way that like other movies, I'm like, I don't understand why he's like this and no one's going to explain it to me. I don't think I would ever describe Adam Sandler as playing an especially deep character in too many movies. And I mean, I wouldn't argue that he's deep in this one, but I do agree with your point that like, at least we have some background and some understanding of who he is and why he is who he is instead of just, oh, he's the funny wedding singer. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah. 
Interesting. Man, love these takes. That's why I had you on for this episode. That's what I come here for. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Can I talk about Steve Buscemi showing up? Because Anytime you want. Let's talk about Steve Buscemi. I don't even really have much to say. I just feel like I can't not talk about the fact that he was in this movie because you can't not mention it. I was excited he was there. I'm always excited when he shows up. It was just like, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm on this ride now. Here I am. Mm-hmm. He plays the drunk brother that was never good enough and plays the guitar. I have no idea. I tried so hard to figure out if that was truly scripted exactly and choreographed that way with the guitar scene and everything or if it was ad-libbed. I feel like that must have been ad-libbed slash improbbed a little bit because it was just yeah, was I have to. I have to guess that some of it was kind of like punched up with whatever Steve Buscemi wanted to do or somebody else coming in later on. Like there was some looseness here, which is nice because it came together really nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it was lovely to see him again at the end changing yes. <laughs> and making that transformation as, you know, as the characters grow and change all together. Even Steve Buscemi, who I truly don't remember his character's name at all. So the I don't brother. think they name him. Do they? I don't. They must have. I'm sure they scream it at one point. I'm sure there's some listener right now. It's like his name's Ron or something crazy. <laughs> uh, but I do not remember because truly I just couldn't get over the fact that he was in this movie. So that was really lovely to see him and being drunk. And that's how they also introduce Julia, the main character, one of the main characters. They kind of run through them very quickly. We go, mm-hmm. like, here's Robbie, the writing singer. Here's julia the waitress and now they're gonna meet and the kid pukes and here we are there's a love story starting within the first three minutes of the movie so i as somebody who really likes to just get to the point very quickly i was a fan of that that decision we didn't need to build it up just tell me who's in love with who and then we'll watch it unfold so yeah it's just like people are gonna fall in love with this who are we dealing with and it doesn't waste any time getting there you get a nice opening number and then the story starts Yes, it was so nice. And I mean, the soundtrack, I wrote this in all caps in my notes. The soundtrack to this movie, I looked up the budget. The budget for this movie was $18 million. I am convinced they spent approximately $17 million on licensing for all these songs. It can't have been cheap. It can't have been. It was awesome. The whole time I was bopping. I was jamming the whole time. So that was, I was very excited about all these songs and it it brought me back a little bit because I know we were trying to be I mean 1985 but also this movie came out in the late 90s and so Mm -hmm. there still were these songs that were kind of top-ish of the charts are still around and continue to be around into my early teens and so it was very fun to to kind of walk down memory lane with this movie even though it wasn't trying to be nostalgic at all. It was the kind of stuff that would show up on maybe not like an oldie station, but whatever station was like 80s, 90s. So you would still hear some of those songs and you knew them, even though they weren't like top 40 at the moment. So Mm -hmm. to hear them in what was approximating their original context, that was fun. Because it's like, oh, this is what it would have been like if we were there. Absolutely. Again, I do wish that I was old enough to remember any of the 80s or alive in the 80s, unfortunately, because really Adam Sandler's outfits sold it for me and even (laughs) i mean we will get to it i forgot quite because i don't think i wrote in my notes but when sammy walks into the engagement party dressed as michael jackson with the glove and i'm like oh goodness (laughs) where what is happening right now robbie's like take the glove off you look crazy (laughs) yes thank you thank you adam sandler for correcting that grave grave mistake but the jacket comes back multiple times 
which is it does did we learn our lesson we didn't learn our lesson did we i I don't think we did and i looked that up a little bit too and because i read something where they had named the costumer and her name looked familiar so i looked it up and it turns out she also did the costumes for clueless which in an odd nod to the premise of this podcast i made a friend watch earlier this week because she said i've never seen clueless before and i was like it's its 25th anniversary clear your evening today like we will solve this before the day is out um and part of it was talking about like the fashion that was so central to clueless same costumer so that level of detail um was pretty consistent and it turned out she went on to do a lot a lot of other adam sandler movies but also a lot of other drew barrymore movies so she built some sort of connection on this because it stuck for even into today yeah well i did read that drew barrymore in this film first of all wore a lot of her own clothes which doesn't surprise Mm -hmm. me but secondly she's dressed kind of 90s considering they're in 1985 so it's a little bit weird like we see the denim jacket which you know it translates throughout many decades but a lot of her dresses and even some of her tops feel a little more 90s than they do late 80s but through the 2020 lens i'm still feeling nostalgic don't worry it is it definitely still got that nostalgia factor uh, but I feel like if you were going to break it in a very analytical probably far more than they thought about it type way her kind of like signifying Robbie's future whereas his fiance oh my gosh what is her name Linda um was like very solidly 80s right yeah so oh my goodness if you're you're gonna go into like the very analytical part of it I thought about that a little bit but I was like I doubt anybody in that room thought it through that far I don't think so. I think that's giving it too much credit. Again, all of the money went to licensing these songs. So the rest of the staff was kind of. So much so that Julia, or that Julia basically drew Barrymore. They're like, wear your own clothes. We spent it all on these. <laughs> literally, literally. Just go in your closet, please. Sorry. We have nothing for you. So sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I realize now we've been talking so much about clothes. We have only seen the first maybe three minutes of this movie. We have to move oh, forward. God. So let's move on. We see Robbie teaching the old lady how to sing the song that she wants to sing for her 50th wedding anniversary. And I'm only bringing up the scene because why, why did we need the meatball thing with the, in the hands and the scooping and the eating? That was a lot. I, I wasn't quite <laughs> sure where we were going with this movie because she started off pretty level-headed she's talking about i want to you know thank you so much for helping me i I can't wait to show my husband but then Mm -hmm. she kind of goes off the rails a little bit and she's like i I don't have any tupperware open your hands right now i need to get these meatballs right now and i just was not i was not prepared for this she's like put these meatballs in your hands eat these meatballs while i'm talking to you even though you only have your hands and then like and then goes to like hold his hands essentially turning those meatballs into i don't know i guess a meat sauce like in his hands yeah Um, which to me kind of felt like it might feel like a different type of adam sandler movie but at its core it's just silly and i feel like that was one way of kind of reminding us of that absolutely i mean and how do you i just am impressed with these actors that they got through that scene without dying on camera because i would just be cracking up i still you're I still crack up every time I see that scene. You're squi- She's just, squi- she is trying as hard as her little hands can to smush these meatballs basically <laughs> into his bloodstream. Like, just smush these meatballs and- Just eat them through your hand skin. I'll help. Oh my goodness. And it's, it's just the most, 
and that's it. Like, we just drop that little, like, just drop it, and we're moving on. That's it. That's enough. Keep it going. We pretty much just cut to Robbie's wedding. I mean, there Mm -hmm. is a scene in between there where we see Julia's mom dropping her off for work at Robbie's wedding, where she says some not great things and also says she should fake a pregnancy, and ooh, those things hurt, but... You know, yeah. it was 1985, uh-huh. so we didn't know stuff necessarily. Uh, it was not great, but we go to his wedding and the sad. We, of course, have to bring him all the way down so that he can, by the end of the movie, build himself much, all the way back up. Too much string quartet playing Don't Stop Believing," which I think yes. is great and Amazing, funny. amazing, amazing, amazing. I, I kind of question the choice for your wedding, but still, again, nostalgia. I'm here for it. Um, and so unfortunately we find out which i believe it's robbie's i couldn't tell if it was robbie's sister or mother okay says to robbie hey she's uh she's not coming but she says it in this super roundabout way that she found the note that indicated that she may or may not be attending or or something like that uh it was very very funny but he then gets crashed all the way down to rock bottom and of course now it's possible for julia to become the love interest and unfortunately she's engaged to the nicest guy in the whole world glenn we love glenn yeah who who apparently was um i don't know if he was originally going to play him or if he was in consideration at some point but jim carrey was considered to play glenn which i think you get a materially different movie absolutely if, like the first thing it made me think of right away was little shop of horrors with like rick moranis but his adversary in that movie kind of like the evil love interest so to speak was steve martin and i was like how like i love it and it works perfectly but it's so weird and i feel like yeah. you would get another very weird situation with that like adam sandler facing off for a woman against jim carrey in 1998 like you have to remember which version of these people you're getting in 1998 yeah that's a very good point i mean i'm just honestly i can't not picture glenn being ace ventura pet detective right now that's really where i'm stuck and it's not a good movie I would not recommend seeing that movie, not Ace Ventura, <laughs> but like this version of Wedding Singer that I've just crafted in my mind. And I can't, I mean, because he's, Jim Carrey, much like Adam Sandler, has only kind of been typecast into one role. Jim Carrey is also like lanky and weird and kooky. And Glenn mm-hmm. is controlling and misogynistic. So those things don't quite line up for me in my head. So that's very interesting I think it'd be an interesting challenge for Jim Carrey because if I'm remembering correctly, like late 90s is around the point he was starting to test out serious stuff. So this would have been kind of a interesting in between. But if someone was like, yeah, there's a romantic comedy with Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey and someone had said that to me in 1998, but have been like, what? Yeah, doing what? Is it the two of them falling in love? Because that would be a movie I'd watch. That'd be fun. I don't know if we were there in the late 90s, but I would have really enjoyed that. We were not there in the late 90s. That would be a great you know 2020 movie but it would just be either that or you get the awful version which is i now pronounce you truck and chuck and larry which is adam sandler and kevin james that is a good point like no yeah we wouldn't have needed that sooner and we barely need that one now (laughs) i guess this is why we don't write movies because (laughs) (laughs) our initial ideas are not 
too stellar and they've been tested. Miracles are not around to help us. So (laughs) that is a good point. That is a good point. Oh my goodness. So Robbie is very upset. um, And Linda comes over in, as you mentioned, her very 80s, very like hardcore rocker 80s. She's got the big hair. Mm -hmm. She like chews the gum, has the very Jersey accent because of course every movie like this has to take place in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And she basically says that she doesn't want to marry him because he's a wedding singer and she wanted to marry the rocker that was hot and sexy and this adam sandler is not hot it's like well okay sorry but again that information and i'll say if there is one quote that i can kind of remember being iconic at the time was like this is information that would have been useful to me yesterday yes that's one that i remember kind of lasting a little bit longer than the movie yes i think that's a, a quote that people probably still it's like in their deep subconscious and so they don't Mm -hmm. realize that it's a quote from this movie but they say it anyway kind of a thing and because I've definitely heard people say something like that or with that tone and then when I saw it it kind of made the connection like oh that sounds like things people say to me sometimes so yes I think this is a quote that's not so great that it's like oh that's from Wedding Singer but it's definitely deeply burned in our subconscious Yeah. And like, that's another Sandlerism of like, we're used to hearing him talk in like that very silly voice, but it's directed towards something specific here. Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. in a way that like most other movies that let him play around like that didn't do. Yes, that is very true. It's he, I couldn't not hear the uh, eight crazy nights song that he sings as he (laughs) was talking, because as silly as this statement is, Adam Sandler always sounds the same, but it's, it's in the weird, like, kooky voice Adam Sandler that always sounds the same. And yeah. that is a perfect example of it. Yeah, it's, again, and I don't know that he would argue with that. Like, he doesn't really do voices in a way that other people don't. Um, but he, again, it's directed towards something a little bit more grounded here versus just like, this is the extent of the voices I can offer you, my regular speaking voice, a higher pitched one, and a growling one. Yep. Um, and that's, that's all I, and you know what? Know your strengths, man. It's a Sandler toolbox. (laughs) So at the same time, we're cut over into Julia singing, again, 99 Red Balloons. Great. Another great song. The German version, even. Yes, which is like a small little moment of Drew Barrymore speaks German. I didn't dig into this to see if she actually knows German. It wouldn't surprise me if she does, but she sings the German version. Yeah. And Glenn shows up and says, hey, I decided that we're going to get married in Vegas because there was this kind of underlying subplot of the fact that she's been engaged clearly for a long time, but they haven't set a date. Mm -hmm. And now finally he set a date, but it's also in Vegas. And his logic is because he doesn't want a big wedding with hundreds of people who they don't know. And so therefore he wants to get married in Vegas. Amongst hundreds of people he does not know. Absolutely. So we'll just leave that one there. (laughs) Don't want to go deeper into that. I can't undo that logic. I don't understand. So he just (laughs) wants to go to Vegas, which we clearly learn later. It's because he's a huge womanizer and just wants to be around a lot of hot girls, um, which is lovely. Yeah. But of course, then we have the cut back over to Robbie and he's wallowing in his basement. He's been in the basement for almost a week and is feeling all the imposter syndrome, all the I'm not good enough. No one's going to love me. I've done nothing 
with myself since high school. So he's like, we just need to bring him all the way down again so he can build him all the way up. And he says, okay, I'm going to get back into it. I will I will go and perform this wedding that I have to do mm-hmm. because I made a promise. And this theme is... <laughs> I, ju- I don't even have a word, but it's it's vampire chic. It's got candelabras on the tables. It's got yeah, I the... I don't know what they were going for. I don't know. We've got the father, seemingly probably the father of the bride, I'm going to assume. He is in a white tux for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Some of the guests are dressed to the theme. Most are in like a pretty like neutral color. But then what really drove me crazy is this movie, granted, did come out in 1998, had Mm -hmm. a lot of like, look at the ugly fat person, look at the creepy weird people. And so it just felt a little odd to me that this was the level of comedy that we had to resort to when we had really genius writers on the staff and like Adam Sandler. But for whatever reason, and I don't want to say for what forever reason, because I feel like it was intentional, but these characters that get called out as being weird or ugly or or anything are wearing Mm -hmm. very bright or different colors and everyone else around them is in this black and red vibe. And it's like, well, great. Love that. So it was weird. The whole thing was weird. What I will say about that is that scene is probably one of the most memorable ones for me. So it essentially opens that scene with Ravi singing holiday by Madonna. And he is miserable so he's basically just like yes not like groaning it but he's you could tell he's still very depressed and not ready to come back and be around a wedding but now every time i hear the madonna version it translates in my head to the adam sandler version i am so sorry i actually don't mind it i think it's really funny i think that there are definitely parts of that scene that are awful and like wouldn't hold up and feel icky to laugh at now but there's also parts of that that's like I've been in a breakup pretty recently that kind of snapped me. And if somebody said a week later I had to go to a wedding, I would have looked and sounded like that. So, like, it felt familiar in this way. You're like, I know exactly how he's feeling and why he's behaving this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that regard, I think it's a really well done scene. I think there are absolutely pieces of it that are huge problems that wouldn't hold up. But the feeling of it, I think, holds up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the imprint of him kind of just smearing the microphone around his face as he's moaning the words (laughs) is you can't get that out of your head. It is just it's pathetic is the word. And it's definitely what they were going for. And so it was it was very well done. And I agree. Like, what are we supposed to expect from him? Other than singing Love Stinks Which, at a wedding. And the thing that di- honestly didn't occur to me until I watched it for this podcast, why does the wedding band know Love Stinks? When does that ever come up as being useful other than this particular moment? Why did they learn it? That is a very, very solid point. I feel like I wish I did more research on this because that is a very good point that I did not think of at the time. Because seemingly they're not, it's not as though they are a band that also does weddings. They are a band for weddings. Like, it seems like primarily for that particular hall, um, because it's the same band that backs them up later up for a different time of event. But like, Mm -hmm. again, what event that would be held in like a rehearsal hall or like like a wedding center or something like that? What need would they have to know that song? 
Absolutely. I will make canon this in two ways. Either option A is that Robbie was super depressed and before they went back to do this wedding, they had a rehearsal and he forced them all to, to play Love Stinks and learn it. Okay. Or they played a divorce party once. Oh, I kind of like the second one better. I can't explain why, but it just feels really good. <laughs> all right, I support it. I want That I, is what happened. I like the idea that somebody like went through a divorce and then felt empowered enough to throw a party and were like, band, I need you to be with me on this. What songs do you know? And like that I know you're a wedding band, but I need you to be an anti-wedding band. Exactly. And then that (laughs) paid dividends later on. Well, for Robbie. Definitely not for the people at the wedding, but it paid dividends later on for Robbie. Absolutely. And the woman with sideburns and the referred to mutants at table nine. Yes, that was a pretty solid kind of line. It it empowered them. So I think in the same regard that we talk about the problems that it that that particular scene presented for people who kind of seem off or different i think mm-hmm. they kind of got some of that power back when they got to sing with him so it resolves itself somehow not in a super satisfying way but they do get their moment where they get to voice their frustrations that is true and i mean that's really what that song is all about because robbie is kind of banding all of his fellow angry people together angry at love together mm-hmm. and they are essentially cursing out linda but it's fine they don't know that they don't know her he knows they her. don't no he does absolutely um so of course that doesn't go over well with the family as you had mentioned and they get in a huge fight <laughs> they actually the, this goes so aggro so fast it really does. and we cut we cut to robbie in a dumpster no big deal <laughs> <laughs> um what like super wallowing and Julia comes out to find him, which is very kind and considerate, considering they clearly don't have much of a relationship. Like, they just met a couple weeks ago, maybe, mm-hmm. and she watched him get dumped at the altar. But she kind of – she basically leans over the the uh, dumpster and says, hey, you all good? Okay, I know you're really upset, but uh, we set a date for our wedding. Can you play it, <laughs> girl? Read the room. Feels, Are you serious? That's the vestige of when – Julia may have been a more flighty character. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That's possible because it's like, I feel like that lack of situational awareness might have been left over from a prior version of the character because he is not ready to be at a wedding. She's like, hey, can you, it's like, I know you just flamed out at this wedding, but get ready to play another wedding. Like, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like she it's not even as though she didn't know why he was kind of having a weird night and singing Love Stings or something. She saw it. She was she was at his wedding and watched him get dumped and everything. So it's again, situational awareness. Read the room. No, he does not want to hear about the date that you set for your wedding, (laughs) girl. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he's like, yeah, okay, fine, because I like you and you're pretty and the movie's going to end with us being in love. So obviously I have to say yes. So I'm just going to mention this really weird scene of when Robbie's brother-in-law, when he's over to go uh, babysit his nephews, Robbie's brother-in-law yeah. tells Robbie all of the weird sex things that his say, sister does. Let's and, talk about oh, that. Mm. Ooh, that felt weird. Did not love. Did not love. Yeah. There's a weird, even Linda kind of captures it too. Um, it's odd because Robbie doesn't vibe, but Sammy Linda and even uh, this brother-in-law in in the scene, who I don't even know if we know his name, 
they all have this very Italian mobster Jersey, New York vibe. But yet Robbie, who is in this family, is very basic white dude. And so it's just a weird – he's got the mullet, but again, it's 1985, so we're okay with that. Right. But we've got – like, his brother-in-law's got the gold chain and kind of like – Like the tracksuit, like – yeah, feels like he would be at home on The Sopranos, and I believe that actor actually does show up on The Sopranos. Like, I would be shocked if he didn't, but it it has that kind of a feel to it. Yes, and that was the weird. That was the thing that really struck me. The entire movie was trying to figure out who people were because they didn't really make it quite obvious the relationship. They made it little drops of when the sister says, "Oh, that's when mom and dad died to her presumed brother about Robbie, who is also her brother." So mm-hmm. we kind of start to figure out all the connections. But he does not look the same part or or vibe generally as as the rest of his family, which is very weird. And also, as we see by his brother-in-law telling him all these weird sex things, like they have different ways of going about life. Mm-hmm. Like Robbie is so turned off by this and does not want to hear it, but he's he's ready for it. So that was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. But uh, we find out that Julia is having an engagement party. She insists that Robbie and Sammy come because she knows them from work. And Robbie is, again, kind of like, hey, girl, read the room. I don't really want to come to your engagement party because my heart just got broken. Yeah. But they show up anyway. And uh, Sammy shows up dressed like Michael Jackson. It's very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Whew. I mean, I did say hee hee like when I saw him as, immediately. As you do. Oh, look, Michael Jackson is here. That's like, part of it. He's here. He has arrived. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, and we watch Glenn, Julia's fiance, be awful and basically say, hey, I know you want to have like a big wedding. I think you should plan it because I know you love that kind of thing. And I, whoo, real mad. Real, real mad. Yeah. It's like, you're just better at it than me. Which I feel I like. That is the calling card of any number of regular average to subpar white dudes who would just rather have a woman do something for them. It's like, I would just screw it up. Can you just do it? Yeah, but it's a basic thing. Or like a partner thing. I mean, I'm not going to go on a whole trope about how people should organize their weddings, etc. But it was, it really drove home the Glenn is a terrible human character so truly from the standpoint of writing for a movie well done yeah it was a great line yeah like it was a time where he essentially set a date that she didn't have input in and then was like oh well now that this is the amount of time that i have set you have to do it i'm like "Mm, i don't love that for her don't love that but again from a writing standpoint we love that for her because it just makes her kind of realize more quickly that maybe he's not the right guy and maybe she doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Just maybe. Yeah. They have a conversation at the engagement party, which in this huge house. Yep. I don't even know what house this was. Huge. Uh, about uh, Robbie and how are you feeling? And Julia kind of tries to be nice and comfort him. And she says, oh, are you going to do weddings? Like, you know, you're going to be great. And he kind of says, no, I don't really want to do that anymore. And then we cut to a bar mitzvah. (laughs) Casual, (laughs) as you do. George sings, do you really want to hurt me again? Love every minute that I saw saw George on my screen. Culture Club has other songs. Like, I genuinely don't know why he didn't learn 
any other ones. Like, especially after getting, I assume that the wedding that the first wedding that we see him saying, "Do you really want to hurt me?" I'm assuming this isn't the first time everybody hated it. So why are we trying it with 13 year old boys at a bar mitzvah? Great question. I don't know. know. But I was like, Karma Chameleon's in there. I'll Tumble For You is a great song. Like there are several other culture club songs. Time is a little bit, that's not great for like social events. It's a little bit darker, but like still you've got choices. Yeah. But apparently only one song. I mean, that's all right. I guess I can't judge. The the thing is, George is a musician. Mm -hmm. If this was just the college kid that bought like a keyboard and only knows one song, okay, fine. But this is your job. Yeah, and like as you see, shortly into the bar mitzvah scene, George plays like four instruments. Right, very talented. And so I I agree. I'm I'm not quite sure. I think it's just a funny little trope. Yeah. But uh, Robbie kind of connects in a soul way with one of the kids that again we have the ugly fat kid i put in big quotes and bruce Charter from matilda i have to bring that up Um, oh really yeah i did not know that remember the kid that gets called up at the assembly for stealing cake and has to eat the whole cake yes that's him that's bruce bogtrotter oh my goodness okay i did not realize that at all yeah well there we go i mean we all i guess is this a this is a a move up, I guess. I think so. Your... It's, it's yeah. I mean, like, Matilda was kind of seen as a kid's movie, so it doesn't get the promotion or kind of scope of release that movies for adults would. So this is kind of a step up. It's an Adam Sandler movie. He was a big deal at the I time. mean, that, I was just going to say, if you're in an Adam Sandler movie, that's like, you know. Well, in, in the out. 90s. I don't know that it holds the same clout now, but we don't have to that's do that right point. now. That's a good point. That should be the disclaimer on all things we discussed. <laughs> it was the 90s. <laughs> In an Adam Sandler movie in the 90s. It holds different yes. weight now. Different different clout in the 90s than today. It's like currency, you know. Mm-hmm. It goes up and down. Yes, like Bitcoin. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a really awkward, like, hands-on-butts dance scene, which is weird. Don't love it. Um, Adam Sandler makes a comment. I'm sorry, Robbie makes a comment. As played by Adam Sandler, right. and says there's only four Jewish families in this town, which I screamed as someone who is Jewish. I screamed loudly. That cannot be true for New Jersey. I thought the that same the thing. I was like, "There's no inaccurate way. thing. <laughs> like that is that is the most inaccurate thing I've heard." And this is a movie with Adam Sandler in it, so here we are. <laughs> I'm going to offer an alternate perspective on the butt grabbing scene. <laughs> an alternate perspective. I'm so interested. So again, too, this feels like something where it is. A really interesting blend of what this movie would have been had Carrie Fisher not touched it and what that scene looks like once a woman's had a hand in it. Because I think, Mm -hmm. like, even though it's this thing where uh, the kid that gets uh, picked to dance with Julia, or Julia picks him to dance, and he grabs her butt, and it's kind of seen as like, oh my god, can't believe he's doing that. And then, kind of in a nod to keep her from feeling the only one being uncomfortable, Robbie then goes out, picks a girl to dance, and then puts her hands on his butt, so they're going through it together. Um, Mm -hmm. So to me, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, it's a little bit raunchy and a little bit more than you would want to see, especially because it's with 13-year-olds, but it's also a moment for them to connect. And I don't know that that connection moment would have been as clear if someone who is more practiced in making this type of movie doesn't get involved. That is a very interesting analysis. I think 
for me as a first time viewer, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I missed all of that because I was way too preoccupied with 13 year olds and seemingly 20 ish, late, early 30 ish year olds touching inappropriately. A, that was kind of my main view. That's a fair point. That's a fair <laughs> point. But yeah, it's just but it, now when I go back and watch it, I can have a more analytical view. Yeah, it's I, I like it because I think it's it has more heart than it probably looks like it does at first glance. But like, ultimately, it felt to me as like an important moment for their relationship, even if it was born from this very weird thing that was happening. Interesting. I mean, we do see very few moments of connection until kind of this is like the last, not the last moment of connection, but it's kind of the last one before the snowball kind of starts rolling down the hill because it trans this scene then transitions into him helping pla- helping Julia plan her wedding. They have this whole montage to Hall and Oates, which is hilarious of like trying on yes. wedding dresses. And then we see scenes where they're listening to the very awful other wedding singer auditioning for her or going to the photographer and saying oh yeah we're really close but being very flirty even though they're claiming to be brother and sister but it allows them to touch each other because they're brother and sister so I guess that's a good point of connection that they really needed something to kind of push them over the edge and I mean maybe a 13 year old's hands on their butts did just that I mean, I guess so. It's just, it's one of those moments that like, once you start to see like through that montage and then all the other things that happen with them, like quote unquote, falling in love, I think absent that scene, you kind of go, you kind of go, where did that come That's from? That's a good point. So that idea of her like being in a situation where she's uncomfortable, him doing his best to cover for her, like that was just like an additional moment of like, okay, I see where this is coming from. Got it. Even though we all knew, you know, from scene one that this was going to end up happening, but that's a really good point. Even though I knew that she was going to be the love interest, I didn't scream, oh, come on, you know, when all of these cute love scenes happened, it was more, okay, these are cheesy, but we see the progression is happening at a pretty expected pace we're not super thrown off by the pace of their their budding love so yeah Yeah. we do have this crazy montage which was hilarious and it's very clear that Robbie has feelings now for her I can't quite tell if she picks up on it or if she's blissfully ignorant or just chooses to ignore it because she's engaged and planning her wedding with a guy that she kind of has a thing for yeah I don't know I genuinely don't know if she knows I mean I would say if there was a point where she maybe started to figure something out, but it might be something that she doesn't even realize is the scene after they see the other wedding singer when he plays the song that he wrote. Yes. Like you can kind of see on her face where she's like, okay, Mm -hmm. something is happening here. And I'll also say the other wedding singer played by John Lovitz, who I love in pretty much everything he does. And he just nails it here as like that sleazy little bit gross guy that like you see at weddings. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just perfect. Yeah. And then that character actually pops up later on the show, The Goldbergs, which also takes place in the 80s yeah. and is also like another um, product of the Happy Madison cinematic universe, I guess. Yes. Um, so it's nice to know that he lives a little bit longer of a life. But that scene, I think, is, again, also important because if there was a moment where she started to figure it out, it's probably there. So then there's, speaking of, I guess, pushing the snowball down the hill and really starting to have like, oh, I'm not sure if he has feelings for me. It's pretty obvious when we get to this next scene when 
Julia's friend and her are having a conversation about what type of kiss that she should have at the church. And they resolve this. They resolve this by, oh, here, Julia, who is engaged. Why don't you just kiss this guy to test it out? What? (laughs) Who we find out in the scene before, like his friend noticed that he was in love with Julia and he's trying to deny it. So we already know how he feels. And then in that next scene, Holly, uh, Julia's cousin i think is just like hey kiss so i can see what you're talking about and knowing what we know about him you're like oh no right but do we think that she was trying to set julia up or was she just being herself i couldn't tell i i don't i think it was pretty innocent i do i Mm -hmm. think that it was just a matter of like I need to understand what you're talking about, but I don't want you to kiss me. That's weird. Um, she, I don't know that she has the information to realize that it is also weird when Robbie does it, but whatever. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, just a lot of questions there. A lot of questions there. <laughs> the lot, again, bad logic. We've got the idea of having a wedding in Vegas. Bad logic. Kiss this other man to see how the kiss should go at your wedding. Weird logic. Yeah. Not, not a huge fan. But then she decides hey julia i think i want to go out with him let's all go to the club oh okay <laughs> so that moves pretty quickly and i will say we are recording this in the middle of covid watching people at a bar and a dance club made me simultaneously very uncomfortable but also so sad because i miss dancing at clubs and bars and drinks being too expensive and music being too loud and I was very sad watching this scene yeah like it's just it's it's not necessarily representative of the specific time because it would happen in 1985 not unlike it would happen in any other time that wasn't during a pandemic but yeah there was that realization of I couldn't go out and do this tonight if I wanted and I don't know when I'll be able to do it again and I don't know if I appreciated properly the last time I did it knowing that it might literally be the The last last time time that I do it the last time oh so in any case totally not a plot point that you were supposed to feel anything really but I felt things in that moment um that moment for me in a lot of movies has been anytime someone blows out candles I'm like I can't see where we're ever going to be able to do that no for me it's been either shaking hands or hugging those are the things that are making me feel really weird uh, yeah, I was on a birthday Zoom for my baby cousin that was like turning a year old and my um her mom, my cousin, like gave her a candle to blow out. And like there were other people at the house that were going to eat the cake later and I was muted. Otherwise, I was like, oh, gosh, please don't. <laughs> like and I've done it when I've been watching TV and it's popped out. So I just did the same thing I do when I know the people on the other side can't see or hear me, but they could see me. So yep. I don't know, man, I'm nervous about oh, it. Oh, dear. Oh my goodness. Well, this scene made me feel uncomfortable just watching people having a nice time. And like I said, this wasn't even the point of the scene was to make you feel anything. You were supposed to feel, I guess, very much uh, more anger at Glenn because we find out that not only is Glenn the worst person ever, Glenn is the worst person ever because he straight up tells Robbie, yeah, I'm sleeping around. Yeah, I have all these really young women yeah, I'm just kind of marrying Julia because whatever. Like, And I'll keep doing it after we're married. Yep, absolutely. And so it's not super great. Um, I will say I'm really proud of Robbie for not reacting the way I thought he was going to react, which would have been either like physically punching or telling Julia because 
he has a good relationship with her and not even in a way of trying to steal her away, but truly just to be say, you know, I'm, I really care about you and this is what's happening. He just lets it happen. And I am pretty proud of him for that. I really thought that scene was going to end in a physical fight, but it did not. Yeah. I can see, I can see a version of that scene that either ends in a physical fight or ends with him telling her, her getting angry and not believing him and then that turning into a fight between them for a different reason. So I kind of like that they didn't go with that version of Mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. But we see kind of he's distracted because Holly, Julia's, we still can't tell if she's the sister or the cousin or the friend or the cousin. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. That girl, fun girl. Uh, She is hitting on him very, very hard and wants him to come upstairs. And she's basically says, I'm going to lay it out for you. You are going to have sex with me. And you know what? Again, consensual. Love it. But it was very funny that she kind of basically said, I'm going to make this real easy for you. Um, But then the next morning, hungover Julia shows up and Holly figures out right away, oh, you have a thing for him, don't you? (laughs) So it kind of triggers the other way. Yeah, she's the one that kind of puts it together on both counts. Mm-hmm. Like she sees it in Robbie first and then the next day she sees it in Julia, but she doesn't say anything either. She kind of lets it. Yep, sit. absolutely. And I mean, I I think, I don't know, this is all an ethics question at this point of do you intervene or do you let it go? Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a movie with Adam Sandler in it, so I don't try to dive too deep down the rabbit hole. It doesn't hole. need it. It doesn't. Um, but it definitely is. Now she has to make this choice. as And Robbie's kind of making a, an ethical choice, as is Holly, but they're kind of making it for different reasons. So it's it's an interesting conflict that they don't really dig too deep into because I think it would truly distract from this really simple and kind of light plot of these two people are worth the wrong people and then they're going to get together because they're the right people. The end. Uh, which is very yeah they're they're moving at a pretty good pace by this point and I think having to go through those pieces would kind of slow it down a little bit so I'm kind of glad they just kept it moving absolutely and so Robbie gets the wrong idea though because he uh is told pretty much by Holly that Julia is just kind of marrying him marrying Glenn for his money for security and so he tries to go get a job in the city which is really weird moment where he's he basically goes to a bank and says, I have no experience, but I really need a job. Can you actually just give me a business card to say that I have a job so I can impress a girl? Which is very kind of funny um, to not have to watch a woman try to do something like this for a guy. Because I feel like we always see this with the woman trying to do something to be different, to impress the man, a la Grease. But true, he true. Uh, he's like, can you please just give me a business card? I really want this girl to feel like I'm sec- like I'm a secure person to be with even though she knows that he she knows his life i don't understand what this plan was gonna like pan out to look like but yeah like say say he had gotten the job which he didn't and i actually kind of applaud that writing choice because i can see a hundred different ways where he could have gone in and asked and just gotten it Mm -hmm. um so I, i like that he didn't get that but i also like that they have to play with the idea where he has to go back and tell her that and she's like that's not who you are right absolutely and then he kind of, when they're back together and uh, he and Robbie comes back to his house and Julia's waiting for him, she kind of gets, I mean, not kind of, she gets very mad because he says, well, you're just marrying Glenn for his money, right? And that's her moment of, who do you think I am? Do you really think that's who mm-hmm. I am as a person? So again, if we even compare this a little bit to Greece, they're both 
I don't want to say changing for the other, but they're trying to finally see each other for who they are. And it's yeah. like, you didn't have to pretend. We liked each other the first time around. We didn't have to fake it. So yeah. Robbie, of course, goes back to wallowing because he's now super alone. And even before, even more than when Linda dumped him the first time, he thinks now, what's the point? You know, Julia is not into me. I lost Linda. What's the point? Sammy shows up in his weird red jacket again. <laughs> yep. He loves that jacket. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. I have to imagine it was expensive. So once you have it, like, right. really wear it. And again, I think this is also evidence that all of the money for this movie in the budget went to licensing. And they were like, hmm, Sam, we don't have any more costuming for him. So he's going to wear this red jacket the rest of the movie. Sounds good. Yep. <laughs> and that's we it. have a jacket. Keep wearing Just it. keep doing it. It's on a rental, so we get to give it back tomorrow. So we may as well squeeze every scene out of it that we possibly can. <laughs> um, he also, I love this scene. I laugh so hard when Sam, Sammy says they're sitting at the bar and Sammy kind of talks about how the single life is not really that great. And he's just kind of putting on mm-hmm. a front. And he says, all I want is for someone to hold me and tell me everything's going to be all right. And then the old man comes over and hugs him and says... Everything's gonna be all everything's right. gonna be all right. <laughs> he he was a solid a solid character that I think deserved more screen time. Truly, but he agreed. He is he's good. He's very good. So it kind of cuts quickly. I was surprised that we already are cutting over into Julia's wedding. She's mm-hmm. seeming, I mean, seemingly her wedding because this confused me. It was she was dressed in her wedding dress. She was talking to her mother on her bed, but it was dark outside and we know it's dark because not only is it like in the window when we're watching the scene but at the same time Robbie decides to leave the bar at night and is going to walk to her home and tell her how he feels and so I was very confused why she was in the dress the night before maybe they were just having like a mother-daughter bonding moment or something but it's very probably like a final fitting like just making sure everything looks the way it should look the night before because you do know that it's the night before because they shortly after that see Glenn out and they had mentioned earlier that his bachelor bachelor party was the night before the wedding yes oh my goodness I can't believe I skipped it that they had they meet him on the street (laughs) after after or during his bachelor party and again our favorite old man who truly I don't even know his character name um tries to punch him and he said something to the effect of I'm not as strong as I used to be which is very funny (laughs) And he was wearing Sam's jacket, which I thought was like a really nice touch. Like they oh, had yes. bonded to the point where <laughs> yeah. he was wearing Sammy's jacket. Like, yeah, they're just buds now. Like he's he's yeah. a right like Sammy's a regular, Robbie's a regular, and this old man is a regular. So they're all just friends. And that's mm-hmm. and that's what we do. We share we share our very nice jackets with each other. Yeah. Um so yes, it is the night before the wedding and Julia is breaking down with her mother, who is so wonderfully vain and not stellar and as a human generally and basically says julia he is stable he has money why wouldn't you marry him which is like even for 1985 kind of an old trope of mothers everywhere um yeah like i think she thinks she means well but like it's obviously not really going to work. And you can tell very shortly after that exchange that that's not how Julia feels about it. Absolutely. And, you know, she basically, her mother basically says to her, you're really going to leave all of Glenn's money for this wedding singer. And it's like, well, okay. There's a lot of other things going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we watch, 
Julius stand in the mirror and practice introducing herself as Julia Gulia, which is beautiful. Beautiful touch by the writers. I love it. And (laughs) it is juxtaposed with Robbie practicing his I love you speech, basically, that he's going to confess his love with. And so it's 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 tragic, I guess would be the word. It's a little sad to watch this go down. Um, She then is crying as she's saying Julia Gulia because she's realizing rapidly that this is not a good idea for her and not what she wants or what she deserves. And so then she starts practicing with Robbie's name and she becomes super happy and giggly. (laughs) But Robbie only sees that. He doesn't hear it and interprets that to mean, oh, she's so happy to marry Glenn. Oh, no. Star-crossed lovers. (laughs) What will happen? Yeah, like, as you watch, you're just like, no, you don't know what she's saying. Throw rocks at the windows. (laughs) (laughs) So it is is not good. Not looking good for Robbie. Um, Then they have the the fight scene, which was very funny. Um, And Robbie gets super, super wasted because he is back to wallowing. He's This is the final straw. He was feeling pretty amped to go kind of tell Julia how he felt. But now this is hopeless. There is there is no hope for him. Linda shows up on his lawn in a very short dress in her very 80s rocker vibe and basically says, I was wrong. Take me back. And we find out the next morning that he did do that, but he doesn't remember that happening, which is not great. Yeah. Which is super nice. Yeah, I don't love it. Um, And so Julia goes to come over because she realizes now, I'm in love with him. And so there are two ships passing in the night. This is like classic romance ending of a rom-com. You know, like he he has feelings, but he's with somebody. She has feelings, but she's with somebody. Linda answers the door. She feels – Julia feels destroyed. Adam Sandler's line of take off my Van Halen t-shirt <laughs> before you jinx them. Before you jinx the brand, they break up. And then David Lee Roth did leave the band later in 1985. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which I think is a great, great touch. It was Linda's fault yeah. to anybody that's worried about that. And truly, I'm okay with that. Like, <laughs> as a myth, myth, fact, who cares? It is her fault. Thanks a lot, Linda. Truly. Or, or is it Robbie's fault because he let her back in and also had that shirt, but... Whatever. They can share that blame. Whatever. It's fine. Um, so she decides I this part I did not understand for Julia as a character, why she just decided to completely abort mission on Robbie and fly to Vegas with Glenn. Marrying Glenn, she already de- we've already determined for her was not something she wanted. Going to Vegas yeah. is also not something she wanted. So now she's gonna just drown her sorrows and doing something that is absolutely miserable like going to get married in vegas well to get married in vegas is somebody she doesn't want to be married to so i'm like that's a lot of work to spite somebody i think. absolutely and i that's the thing is i couldn't tell and it sounds like you have this opinion is i couldn't tell if she was kind of doing this to kind of i'll show you to robbie or if she was just saying that was stupid never mind just let's rip the band-aid and do this and move on i feel like if it were the latter she would have stuck with the plans for like in town because right. she was getting married there yeah that day presu- she right. just stayed put and done it. that's the thing i was gonna say is she was supposed to get married that day in town so i don't understand why we flew to va- like that whole i mean again it did present a beautiful time to like 
put Adam Sandler and Billy Idol on a plane. So maybe that's right. Whole- like the benefit of it far outweighs the nonsensical nature. Absolutely. Like you get something wonderful for her having done it. It just doesn't make sense for her to have done it in the first place. Absolutely. It makes me feel like they, I like they ideated and completely wrote out the entire airplane scene before they figured out how they were going to get them on the airplane. And they were like, well, let's just uh, put them on the airplane. Just put them on the airplane, whatever. (laughs) Throw some dialogue in there. We just need Billy Idol on a plane. And what they came up with. Oh, Gorgeous. Oh my goodness. I love it. Oh my goodness. So lovely. Also, it harkened back to a time when you could just show up and buy a ticket and yeah. no IDs. And just, oh. yeah, no IDs, no uh, no excessive searching. Just show up, decide you want to be on a plane, and go. Yep. Oh God, such a good time. So in between Julia waiting at the airport, we cut in between uh, the old woman singing at the 50th anniversary party and this is where we see Robbie kind of make the realization of oh this is the person I want to grow old with oh this is my person um she casually raps rapper's delight fantastic you know I mean I did some digging on her um she was 84 years old her name is Ellen Dow uh the Mm -hmm. actress and she was 84 when she shot it and she actually died in 2015 but she lived to be 101 years old amazing oh, cool and she wrapped rapper's delight so like awesome i love it and it's more of that adam sandler silliness because did we need to see this woman rap rapper's delight during like a an intensifying love scene not really like narr- narratively no but like my heart is very happy that it happened. absolutely and it was and it made a great move for the trailer because i feel like if you ask anybody what do you remember about the wedding singer trailer the old woman rapping rapper's delight you might not even know what the movie's about that is a very good point very very good. i mean how do you not remember that scene i would like to see like the extended director's cut of that scene truly I don't remember if there is one available, but I do remember on the VHS tape of this movie, which I did own, um, I actually don't know where it is now, I've moved several times since then, but there was a karaoke version of it. So if you wanted to rap Rapper's Delight, just watch all the way through to the credits, and then you could rap along, um, and you could do the karaoke on the tape. That is amazing. I will definitely be doing that. I need to start learning. I guess maybe I'll put it on my karaoke list to learn all the songs that were featured in this movie because that's a pretty solid repertoire for karaoke honestly oh speaking of rapping this ellen the the actress that rapped rapper's delight also rapped in a mm-hmm. lifesavers commercial that's my fun fact about her Ooh, i did not know that I, I tried to find it i couldn't find it um but if anyone finds it please tweet it at jackie watches uh she apparently was i don't know what she was rapping about it was apparently just in a a commercial for lifesavers which i can only imagine what that commercial looked like i have to assume that she had done it in the movie and then someone at lifesavers was like we gotta get her to do this for us absolutely there's no other way that that happened that she just happened to be in two different scenarios where she got to rap no way no way (laughs) again adam sandler in the 90s man really gets you far (laughs) really gets you far (laughs) Oh, man. So then we cut to basically he runs to the airport. He doesn't have to use his ID. He borrows Sammy's credit card to buy a ticket. And it ends up being first class, which is very funny. I love when movies portray first class as like this true resort experience. Um, because presumably he's flying from Jersey. So like, mm, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so 
we we see Billy Idol on the plane, which I learned is because Billy Idol was in this movie only because his son idolized Adam Sandler. And when they approached him, Billy Idol was like, well, I guess I'll do it. If my kid's going to love this movie, I may as well. Which really. And he's great at it. He was great. great It was so much fun. I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to do something like this, especially, I mean, as someone who is not a professional musician, I think it would be fun to do something a little bit different, you know, go go Mm -hmm. act in a movie with Adam Sandler for a hot minute. So again, hearkening back to a time when you could do literally whatever you wanted regarding air travel, Mm -hmm. the stewardess just allows Billy Idol and this random, presumably random person, right? Like Robbie, the wedding singer to get up on the mic and sing a song And Billy Idol even makes a comment to the effect of, oh, we're in first class, so we can pretty much do whatever we want. And so therefore, we are the in-flight entertainment now. And we go, we get to the the climax of the love story where Robbie starts singing and Julia figures it out that it's him. And I was going to say the music swells, but it kind of doesn't because it's his music. But he's singing a whole song about growing old with her and it's like adorable and she's sobbing and all of my notes are in all caps at this point with (laughs) all over the place. And then the entire plane bands together to get Glenn out. That's my favorite, I think, is that the whole all of first class is like, this man is evil. We need to stick him in the bathroom the entire flight. Well, and like all of first class has heard the story because- Robbie has told them and they're all like incredulous at how awful um, Glenn is no one more than Billy Idol, which is amazing. Um, So once he starts protesting that they're singing, basically everybody kind of conspires to get him locked in the bathroom because they can't get him out. They're on a plane, but as much as they can do to kind of keep him from ruining the romantic moment, which I'm not one to incentivize most guys serenading people with acoustic guitars. It tends to be forced more often than not, but this was really nice. Yeah. She was like really into it. And I think it's because (laughs) back to connections, I think it's because they had that connection where he said, Hey, I wrote this song. Do you want to hear it? And she really wanted to hear it. So I will allow it. I mean, also, when we think about Robbie and his view on romance, he, again, watched his parents, well, maybe not watch them, but his parents passed away when when he was young, and then he transitioned into becoming a wedding singer. So he's very used to serenading people, whether he's trying to woo them or just be with them and create some sort of emotion. So I'll take it. Well, and it had this feeling of... And I, I don't know if you've seen this. If you've not seen it, we may have to, I may call upon myself to be a return guest and we'll do this movie as I well. But a different movie that Judd Apatow had a hand in, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, there's a character in there played by um, Jason Segel um, from How I Met Your Mother. Who and also plays he, Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Yeah, like he's not the Marshall in the title of Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but there are two Marshalls involved yeah. in really big things that he does. And I am just now ma- making that connection. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I love him. I will say I have not seen it. So we'll definitely, I mean, you're always welcome back on the show, but this is good. That I would love to come back for this particular movie. I love it a great deal, but his character in that is a musician and he there's a point where he plays a song for a girl that he likes. And it's a very weird song under these outlandish circumstances and she loves it and that's a really big part of how their story comes together um and this was well before that that this doesn't forgetting Sarah Marshall I think came out around 2010 okay or 2000 
mm, yeah, like 2010. But yeah, it's just a nice kind of callback into something that then creeps into Jenna Patel's work in another place later on. So basically the lesson here for all men is to strum your acoustic guitar and sing sweet words to women and you'll always well i'm kidding don't always do that i was gonna say i hesitate to encourage all men to do it but every now and again it will work and by that i mean this this two times and judd apatow was involved in both you know what if you know judd apatow right go for it or if you're i guess if you're in a movie do it (laughs) yes there we go even better But they fall in love anyway because we're in a movie and then we see the final scene where I'm pretty sure she's wearing that same dress from what was going to be her wedding with Glenn, but they are getting married. And so the end, basically, we see this. Everything is okay. We're all with the right people. Not sure if Glenn got out of that bathroom. We don't know. Maybe Billy Idol. He might still be in there riding around. I mean, if Billy Idol had anything to say about it, I feel like he is is still in there. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was not what I was expecting, but it was also everything I was expecting. Well, I remember from your initial guess of what it's about, it is really different. Um, But I kind of like that. I like that it gave an actor that we kind of had a sense up to that point. We thought we knew exactly what you were going to get from a movie with him. And this upends that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually thought a little bit about it. um, As we're recording this, a movie came out fairly recently called The King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson. Mm -hmm. And Pete Davidson is another one that frankly came up in a really similar vein on Saturday Night Live, where he came in, he was pretty young. He has what I would deem to be a limited set of skills, but this movie looks like it, stretches him beyond where we know him and thinking about it in terms of this movie it kind of has made me rethink if I do want to then go watch that movie I didn't think I would but now that I'm seeing this and really thinking about it I might I might give it a chance and see what this particular brand of filmmaking does for somebody else Mm -hmm. but this also I mean we're talking about the wedding singer in 2020 looking back I mean specifically if we're analyzing Adam Sandler as an actor it might require the hindsight the hindsight of seeing him pre-wedding singer and then post-wedding singer knowing everything we know now and and watching him I mean truly grow right I mean the Mm happy from happy Gilmore all the way to now is a much different yet the same Adam Sandler to his core. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, there's a lot that's consistent and there's a lot that shows some growth. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, I never thought I would say the word growth so much with an Adam Sandler movie, but I feel, <laughs> I feel like with this movie and you know, I was, as I was telling people I was going to be watching the wedding singer, a lot of my friends said, well, I feel like that's not like a classic, but I would, disagree i feel like this is a movie that you really should see there's not a lot of one-liners or quotes or or kind of cultural isms that you may or may not understand because of this movie i think one of them as we were talking about was the idea of like that was information that would have been helpful yesterday that's a great line but nobody really says it but i think it's a nice it's just a nice movie it's a happy movie we have a little bit of wallowing but at the end of the day, it's just, it's a nice little rom-com. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's probably more notable within the pantheon of rom-coms than it is in Adam Sandler movies. Absolutely. Like, I think if you aren't super connected to the cast of it, some people may not even remember Adam Sandler's in it. Um, But I think those intersect at a really interesting place. 
Like, it's a really interesting example of the genre of rom-coms, but it's also a really interesting thing for Adam Sandler to do, especially when you think about when he did mm-hmm. it. Again, I guess the takeaways here are Adam Sandler in the 90s gets you far, and Carrie Fisher is a genius. You need Carrie Fisher in whatever you're working on, and I don't know where we're going to get that now, but absolutely, she did great work here. She did. Well, Amma, speaking of great work, you did great work. Thank you so much for attending all these weddings with me and rocking these 80s hairstyles. Happy to do it. The wardrobe made it even more worth it. Like hanging out with you is always a pleasure, but getting to do so in such lively attire is even Absolutely. Better. And listeners, we are in full 80s garb. I know you can't see us, but we are we are really rocking it right now. Enthusiastically dressed for the show. Absolutely. Recording. Jackie Watches Stuff is supported by our listeners. I'd like to thank our supporters in the Academy on Patreon. Paul H., Brianna S., Logan B., Jarrett S., Thomas S., Linda V., and Missy V. Thank you all for your generous, ongoing support of this show. If you'd like to join the Academy and get a shout-out for supporting us, visit patreon.com slash Stuff. You can also support the show by submitting a review on iTunes and sharing it with your family and friends. Jackie Watches Stuff is hosted by Jackie Vitrano and produced by me, Sean Flynn. You can find me on Twitter at WXGeek. Jackie Watches Stuff is available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Or you can listen online at JackieWatchesStuff.com. You can also send us your thoughts on The Wedding Singer on Twitter. We're at Jackie Watches. Thanks for listening. Join us next time when Jackie watches Jaws. <laughs>